0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the DadCore Cinema Club. It's a podcast about the cable classics, the middle-brow masterpieces, those movies that never stop reminding you how the West was won, no matter how many times you watch them. I am your host. The name's Brandon Pilgrim. Joining me, as always, is Charlie. That's me. That's him. Folks, set your minds back one week. Imagine you're listening to the episode. What was it? It was Farewell, My Lovely, Dick Richards, 1975 noir throwback classic starring Robert Mitchum. We had a good time with that. It's a Philip Marlowe book. It's great. It's like they made a 1940s, what was it Western? It's today's uh, (laughs) episode. 1940s noir in with 75 technology with Bobby Mitch at the center. It's a good time. Watch that movie. It's on every service. Listen to the episode. It's on every podcast service.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's on HBO Max, the podcast. It's yeah, the Netflix. podcast is on <laughs> HBO Max. Check us out on Netflix. Check <laughs> us out on Disney. Plus. It's a black uh, screen. We're working on our Hulu. Uh, we're closing that deal soon. Mm-hmm. There's ads every five minutes, though. We don't get paid for them. It's more ads. We're all for hymns. Hymns. Uh, hers. That's all I get on Hulu. Hymns? It's it, it was the hers ads for a while. And then halfway through when I was watching the shield, they figured out I was a guy and they switched to the hymns ads.
1: I get, uh, I was watching an episode of the Americans and we counted seven different dating profile <laughs> commercials, but usually it's this one nice. called upwards. That's for Christians, mm. which very strange. I'm not Christian and I, Mm-hmm. have been in a relationship for like eight years. I'm not really sure why they're targeting. your profiles you. aren't working really well. Fix that algorithm, buddy. Well, it's probably not helping that whenever they come on, I'm like, oh, I love this ad. This is my favorite <laughs> ad. You always hitting the plus up. They're like, was this relevant to you? Yes, yes. absolutely.
0: I, I need, this. I need this again. Uh, you know what? I do need again. Movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes uh, I say at the front, middle brow masterpieces, cable classic. Sometimes we venture a little bit further out from that and talk about like a straight up capital C, like canonical classic from mm-hmm. a great auteur. Uh, we're doing that this week. We're talking about the man who shot Liberty Valance. John Ford, John Wayne, Jimmy Stewart, Lee Marvin. It's the first time we're talking about three of those guys. We've talked about Lee Marvin before. This is our first Jimmy and our first of the two johns
1: yeah lee marvin lee van cleef all the lees coming out for this one a young lee van cleef kind of hot lee van cleef i know how he
0: doesn't do much <laughs> but he,
1: he's he's just staring at the camera and doing a look smoldering yeah yeah it's all the boys all the boys in uh in shinbone shinbone territory great name for a town <laughs> Out, out in the west, in the territory, some territory. I don't think they ever say what, where they are or what state they're like. Would be they're in the or...
0: they're in the nominal west. They Everywhere are... west of the Mississippi is like that's where they
1: are. Collectively, mm. so what yeah. they're in
0: the same territory as Deadwood.
1: They are in the Deadwood territory. It's
0: yeah. So like Lee Marvin and his crew, they're from Yankton.
1: Yeah, they're Pinkertons. Yeah. <laughs> the I was thinking about Deadwood a lot actually. I was doing this just because
0: I've been watching it.
1: Yeah. Well there's some like you know, soliloquies and little little touches that felt very uh Deadwoodian to me. Mm-hmm. Oh I think Deadwood lifted its newspaper newspapermen. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Probably a, a less uh problematic actor playing the newspaper man in this one <laughs> yes but also playing a more uh problematic character he's
0: an alcoholic yeah. Merrick's not like a substance abuser Merrick great guy and
1: deadwood yeah perfect individual separate actor from uh-huh. uh actist actually didn't uh look up anything about the actor of Peabody in this too so he might be a pedophile as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah it turns out he was also in Ferris Bueller it's just something about that; those kind of roles. They attract some devious devious guys. Just
0: uncovering some truths about the press is
1: what we're saying here. Yep, they're all pedophiles. <laughs> Q is right. Do not trust the lamestream media.
0: Uh, yeah, I I'm, I'm looking at this interview here, and it seems that the actor played
1: Peabody's favorite food was cheese pizza, it turns out. Mm, the dots are all connecting. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is a a, a late Ford. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is past the searchers, which is a
0: wild thing for me because uh, the searchers is pr- the latest Ford I'd seen. Of, of I've seen three Fords. I've seen Stagecoach. I've seen the searchers. And now I've seen this. The big ones. Um,
1: I fucking hit it. I, well, I nailed it. I mean, the guy has made like a fucking million movies. And if you were going yeah. to pick three to watch, I think those would probably be the three.
0: So this is the latest of his I've seen. And like watching, I'm like, it's like so wild. Cause you can tell, like he maybe had less money for this than the searchers. Like it's after the searchers, it's not going to say it doesn't look beautiful, but like if you read into it, it sounds like the black and white photography was a result of the budget and not a result of like an artistic choice.
1: Yeah, it's really funny. Although it looks incredible. Yeah, and like to hear him talk about it, he says shit like a uh, black and white is like real photography, and like <laughs> he's really just bigging up like trying to make it sound like the fact that this is all shot on a soundstage and in black and white was some like big artistic decision Mm -hmm. when it really just seems like the studio didn't have any money to give him yeah you read him say and and he's talking up that artistic choice
0: which is weird because it doesn't really fit with like the searchers being this incredible picture that is in color and is mostly outdoors and then you read like someone else's take from the set and they're like oh yeah the studio spent all their money on Jimmy and John and then they were cutting the budget and everything else because Paramount didn't have any money in 1963 or
1: 1962 but the thing is like the movie does look good enough that he can and like he is such a good director that he can kind of get away with being like oh no this is like how i wanted to shoot it because this is real art this is real movie making
0: watching the movie at no point uh did it stand out to me as like oh i think i guess this was made for cheaper like none of that occurred to me until i was looking into it afterward and i was like oh it's it looks like it did have a lesser budget and maybe some of the choices are budgetary constraints. But he he is such an incredible director that he makes all of that work. And during the act of watching the movie, none of that's on my mind.
1: Yeah. I'm
0: just like, no, like, wow, his blocking in these scenes is incredible. Uh, his usage of angles to imply
1: depth in a shot is just beyond mm. anything other directors do. Yeah, it's, he had some quotes that were like, doing black and white is like real directing because you have to like, Mm-hmm. uh like set the lights better to like get perspective and like you have to like create your own drama whereas like shooting in color and outdoors like you made it sound like you just have to turn the camera on and it's all there in front <laughs> of you <laughs> e- easy yeah it, it sounds like like i've read that quote too it sounds like
0: there's some truth there that maybe it is y- you have to have more intention in how you're using shadow and black and white otherwise the scene gets lost mm-hmm. but when he says it, it just sounds like he's robbing his color movies of all their artistry and the incredible work he puts into them.
1: He's like a wrestling
0: promoter. When he talks about this movie, he's like a wrestling promoter, like pumping up his next match by writing off everything that's ever happened in the past.
1: Yeah. This is funny to think about anything. You can't put butts in seats. Something as like immaculately composed and beautiful as the searchers, the guy making it being like, oh, I just fucking went outside and turned on the camera. The location (laughs) does all the work for you. But this is about a it's another movie that, you know, second in a row for us where a guy is having to, like, recount his story to some people questioning him. But uh Jimmy Stewart rants playing a guy named Ransom. Pretty cool. You know, you uh, don't see
0: guys named Ransom anymore.
1: Yeah. Nobody's naming their kids. Rans- Ransom is a beautiful name for a baby girl. <laughs> Ransom Stoddard. Ransom Stoddard and his wife. He, he enters this picture... As an
0: old man, it's old man Stewart who, like, was an older man at this time, like fifty three. But I think he's supposed to be like a decade or more older than that. Here, he's like a man near retirement in this opening, coming back to town. He's the senator, and he's like legendary. Basically, people yeah. are like freaking out about the newspaper man's like, "We got to get you. We got to get his interview. How do you?" And you do that,
1: yeah. The newspaper man's just hanging out at the train station in case some <laughs> somebody comes into town that's worth writing about. <laughs> Seems like such an easy
0: job back there, right? Like all that guy was. Yeah, he just stands by the other oh, trains coming. Good. Your entire job.
1: You're the intern for the paper. You just stand at the train station and wait. See if anyone gets off. And most days they don't. You just get to hang out with the train guy, the depot guy. Yeah. But yeah, he comes in uh, as an old man on the railroad, which apparently has, you know, really changed the town from the, the <laughs> bad old days. There's like right off the bat from the first minutes of the movie, they
0: set up just that classic Western premise, It's not the first Western movie to do this. And it surely isn't the last to use the railroad as the symbol of progress coming through town and and taking like stripping away the wildness of the West and bringing law. Um, But like from the very first minutes, they're hammering home this idea like this town was different before the railroad came. It used to be lawless. Now it's like a perfect town, but you kids don't understand what it used to be like. 20, 30 years ago when I was here as a kid.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Back in the wild times, you think this which place like, is crazy now back in my day. It, it's a little funny. Um, thinking about it now, him talking about like
0: how much the town has changed and in his life, it's what been like 30 years, which it's like the star Wars thing of like the galaxy has so changed. And then like when you actually, once the movies have you like watch them all, it's like, Oh, I like there's 20 years between like the, the time when the universe was perfect and like the time when it's a dystopia
1: a lot can change you know gentrification happens yeah. quick
0: yeah so we enter this movie and no one knows what a jedi is but uh, here's james stewart and he's like i haven't heard the name ransom in a long <laughs> ransom. time ransom now there's a name <laughs> i
1: haven't heard it in a long time do you know ransom know him? that's me <laughs> <laughs> rant that's just some crazy old wizard do you know the man who shot Liberty Valance?
0: <laughs> no, him, well, that's me.
1: Yeah, he's a senator. He his uh, he has to talk politics. So his wife goes off with the marshal to mm. to take in the town and see what it's like since they've been gone. And and the marshal is like,
0: um, I think he's like, is he like a mainstay of Ford stuff? Because I seen him, I saw him in Stagecoach before. Uh, I and have he's no. He's got idea. a great stage presence.
1: Yeah, I recognized his voice and looked it up and he's the friar in the Disney um, Robin Hood.
0: Mm. He's got like this incredible, like jovial, uh, very comedic
1: uh, presence on screen. Yeah, I think that was like the most effective um, like passage of time thing, because when they show up, he's kind of like somber and like obviously old and kind of worn down. And then when they cut back to the story proper, he's like a fucking cartoon. <laughs> everyone's like a cartoon in the flashback that's like
0: the big thing in this movie is everyone is a cartoon except for james stewart and john wayne like even lee marvin is playing like a cartoon villain uh but then the two central performances are very like grounded and dramatic
1: yeah they um her and the marshall go to an old house we don't know who it belongs to yet but they like part of it's like burnt down and she's like Mm -hmm. oh he never did finish that room like what? <laughs> like a fucking ash file.
0: Yeah, how and also just like, how long were you gone? He didn't finish like, 30 years or something? He never
1: did finish his lazy yeah. ass. Now he's dead. <laughs> that old Tom Donovan, you know him. Yeah, not Donovan is what I thought until the credits popped up. Yeah, Donovan, P H O N. Donovan. Yeah. Yeah, they uh They're there for a, a funeral for the recently dead Tom Donovan, who like no one in the town has any clue who he is, somehow. Yeah, they, they um they really hammer that home. Like
0: when the paper is pestering uh Ransom Jimmy Stewart, like for why he's there. He's like, I'm here for a funeral for a friend. And he names a name, and the guy like checks their entire record book, and he's like, this person doesn't exist.
1: Yeah, he's off the grid. He's a sovereign citizen. <laughs> Yeah, when when they brought society to, like, town, John
0: Wayne's character never signed the census. <laughs> he was the
1: hermit. He was the real hermit. We've lost, like, ten census takers in that town in the last decade. What's going uh, on? Yeah, a census taker tried to test him once, and he ate their liver with a fava beans and a nice <laughs> but Yeah,
0: they, they really hammer home this idea that, like, okay, this character is is, like, forgotten. Like, that's how... It's how different the paths these guys took after whatever happens in the rest of the movie. We have, like, Jimmy went to great heights. He's a senator, and this other guy is just, like, wallowed away in nothingness for the rest of his life. Jimmy's the world's worst fucking friend, right? Like, he could have sent this guy some checks or something.
1: Yeah. You're like a fancy-pants senator. You're not helping out your boy? He could have sent Pompey some money, at least. Yeah, what are you doing? They never had any problems. Man, the newspaper people are fucking rude though he's like i'm here for a funeral for my friend and they're like no we need to know who the mm-hmm. fuck this guy is we have a right you are a senator we are newspaper people you need to divulge all of your private information to us
0: <laughs> yeah i wrote down in my notes like one of my first things i wrote down was this movie's about how like the press are annoying and they <laughs> need to mind their own business
1: yeah i was thinking of a different version of this movie that's just like the opening act and Except for Jimmy Stewart's like, I'm here for a funeral for my friend, and the newspaper guy's just like, okay, and then the end credits start playing. (laughs) That's like the SNL sketch version of this. Yeah.
0: SNL, Uh, let us do the sketch. Let us do the classic
1: Liberty Valance sketch that audiences are begging for. It'll be the first, like, 18 minutes of Liberty Valance (laughs) and then the credits start playing. (laughs) It'll be the lowest rated sketch on your YouTube channel ever. (laughs) SNL. Let us do it. Finally kill the show with some dignity. Yeah, they're I don't know what building they're in, but it has the old stagecoach that he came into town on. It's the funeral parlor, but it's, um,
0: (laughs) this is like John Ford. Something I I love with a few movies I've seen is like, he's not afraid of like peppering humor into his like really serious dramas. Like as interrogative as they'll get like about their own characters, he'll also just have like goofballs in them yeah I mean, he's like a populist, like these are supposed to yeah. be fun movies, and something that's funny to me I don't even know if this is like a joke I assume it is it's the like the funeral parlor guy they go to. it's like his sign outside is like coffin maker carpenter <laughs> he like apparently is the handyman that makes everything you could need in town is out of wood so yeah he has the old stagecoach, but he's also the guy who builds your coffin he'll build your kitchen table if you need like a if you need like a cutting
1: board for your kitchen, he'll make you that it's, uh.
0: He's running cabinets
1: he's running the Shinbone museum in his front office yeah he just he's just a hoarder i think is that yeah. or he's gonna break it down for parts he's that's like, good I'm wood yeah that's it's some good good, it's good wood timber yeah it's the first stagecoach i ever built i had to keep it i couldn't get rid of it it was kind of like it is sad when they get there the coffin guy's like oh shit i didn't know anybody was gonna show up i was gonna chuck him in this box and <laughs> bury him i didn't know
0: he says something really weird because he says, like, I didn't know you were coming, Senator, or I would have thrown a big funeral and had everyone come. And it's like, what, you were going to, like, have a party because the senator's there? Like, you're going to draw on yeah. his popularity I mean, to, like, have like... a
1: bunch of people pester him? They like the senator. They didn't give a shit about Tom Donovan. Fuck this guy. We were going to throw him in the trash. <laughs> we hate him. He got <laughs> way worse after you left. <laughs> but he goes up to this
0: dusty, shitty uh, stagecoach. He's like... Oh whoa! I, I came I came in on a stage. That's the fucking worst shit ever. I'm I'm cutting it
1: off. Foghorn <laughs> librarian <laughs> <laughs> I say I say uh, I came in on. I say I, I say I came in on a stage. Uh, you yes, came stage on a stagecoach.
0: <laughs> just happened to be that one that's right there.
1: Oh, you know, I I uh, came in on a stagecoach. That's better. Looked just like this. So yeah, well, I was using the stagecoach. line where he says he's a lawyer. I'm a lawyer. Yeah. Like I'm a lawyer. It, I'm a lawyer. I'm a lawyer. It's really, we'll it's it. really
0: easy to accidentally go from Jimmy Stewart impression to like Heath Ledger Joker. I'm a, I'm a lawyer. I think, yeah. I think Jimmy Stewart can nail every Ledger Joker line. Stewart would have been a great Joker. I'm just imagining him saying
1: like the, I'm I'm just a dog chasing cars line. Well, you know, I'm just like a dog chasing cars. <laughs> fantastic that's it <laughs> i can't you can't get too locked into jimmy though because then you can't do john no but yeah anyway he he flashes back he has a reverie to uh, yeah, He t- t- touching mugged. the stagecoach instantly flushes yeah everything to his head he had like a sense memory thing
0: <laughs> and it turns out once upon a day he was supposed to be
1: 20 I don't know how yeah, young it's So It's funny. It's like back when I was a young man, he just looks like fucking old as Jay Stewart. It's supposed to be like decades ago. <laughs> um, the funniest thing about that is like, I, I thought this whole time in the movie that
0: he was supposed to be like twenties or something. And I'm like, well, I guess I see it in the black and white if I like pretend, but I thought John Wayne was supposed to be older and it was a young guy and an older guy fighting over like a young woman. And then when I read an interview later, it turned out, I think they're supposed to be like the same age. And John Wayne is just having a harder time passing off as a kid. That's so weird. Like, he doesn't even They went hot American summered it.
1: Yeah. Well, they they saw It's a Wonderful Life and saw the high school Jimmy Stewart. And they're like, oh, that's a funny bit. We'll just do that again. (laughs) A few decades later. (laughs) It's like 30-year-old. If this 30-year-old guy can be a high schooler, then this 50-year-old guy could be a 20-year-old guy. Because, yeah, it really does come across like, oh, this is
0: maybe like a 34-year-old Stewart versus like a fully 50-year-old John Wayne.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> I think they're supposed to be both, like, 30 or 20. And Wayne doesn't even have to, like, play the old guy version of himself. <laughs> like, there's no reason to believe he's not just, like, a 50-year-old guy. Yeah. <laughs> that I think that's the thing
0: that makes me, like, not question Jimmy Stewart's age, is we see him old, and I'm like oh, well, this is the younger version. You yeah. see John Wayne, I'm like, oh, that's just John Wayne and his age. Yeah,
1: they should have uh, showed his corpse so he had some <laughs> <laughs> reference. He's like, rotten corpse. It's like just a bunch of, like, shitty makeup on him. Okay. Now I know what he looks like now. <laughs> but yeah, Stuart's like, oh, I got the shit beat out of me in a stagecoach just like this one time. And the most humiliating part is the whole time Lee Morvin's calling him dude. Dude. Yeah, he is calling him Dude. <laughs> Yeah, Lee Marvin with his face all covered up. What kind of man are you? Uh, I'm this kind, dude. You just beat some uh, What kind of man are you, dude? Don't mess dude. with me, man. I'm a lawyer. Good dork.
0: There I know that dude is a term like that's not like weird for a cowboy to use. Yeah. I mean, but it, it is still very funny to watch this movie and how much Lee Marvin says dude and how much I associate that with
1: like 90 slang. Yeah, it was co-opted so effectively that you can't even... <laughs> it doesn't make sense yeah. in its original context anymore. But what's
0: really funny about it is that at the center of this movie is a conflict that we'll get to between guys who say dude and guys who say pilgrim. That's the That's eternal, really, I think, what this movie's about. That's the age-old American conflict. That's like the John Wayne magic because everyone gets distracted about this movie that's about, like, the myth of the American West and maybe the violence and murder that this country is built on. But what it's really
1: about is two guys with catchphrases. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the dude guy and the pilgrim guy. Yeah. Who do you side with? One will win out, obviously, because <laughs> no one says pilgrim anymore, but everyone says dude. Yeah, so I think, like, really,
0: one of them, like, you know, Lee Marvin's character, Liberty Valance, he won the fucking war. I'm yeah, right. history
1: has justified his actions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's totally, he's correct now. Uh, Jimmy Stewart says, like, oh, I'm a lawyer. And Lee Marvin says, I'll teach you Western law. And I was like, oh, that's nice. He's going to teach him. But then he just beats him with a whip. That's not <sighs> not good. Yeah, I
0: thought he was going to do, like, a whole lecture.
1: He had the book yeah. in his hands and everything. I thought he was going to he had like little book. Whole,
0: yeah, I thought he had, like, a lesson plan bring up the bible no. start preaching to him it was more of like
1: a torture type deal that he yeah. was going for he's got a brass handled whip god that john ford push-in shot is so fucking cool and he does it so much in this movie ah, it just feels he, like so <laughs> iconic yeah he hit on that shit in, in stagecoach and was just like well this yeah.
0: is my thing this is this is the best a movie can be
1: there is, like, no better way to introduce a character or an actor, though. No like, little pretty push much. in on them? Yeah, no. Yeah. You get it. You get that they're cool. It's impossible to not look cool.
0: There is no, like, better singular introduction of this person's a star, you need to pay attention, than the push in on, like, John Wayne in Stagecoach. Yeah. Looking down Same. the barrel of the camera with a fucking yeah. shotgun. That was my first... Ford movie my first wayne movie and i was like instantly like i fucking that shot i'm like i get it like i fucking get
1: the whole john wayne thing <laughs> i'm so star wayne like saunters, swaggers into this movie though mm-hmm. oh yeah like he instantly when he
0: shows up it's just like he just owns the screen i mean he that's what he does uh but man in his first scene within a few lines he says the word pilgrim and i just about vibrated out of my seat when I realized
1: that this was the movie where he says "Pilgrim," yeah, like, uh, this is I, this is the movie, like this is the John Wayne that he's doing in Full Metal Jacket.
0: Yeah, this is like you were talking recently about um, how parodies and impressions define <laughs> our experience when we go back to old stuff. If you grow up with Animaniacs, when you finally watch Goodfellas and you piece together that the pigeons were pulling from pesci leota uh de niro like that kind of thing uh for me that is like my first introduction to john wayne in a very broad sense was impressions of him on whose It anyway specifically ryan style sauntering around screen and saying pilgrim (laughs) pilgrim Uh, pilgrim So like ever since I was a teen watching that, I've been waiting to finally encounter the movie where he actually does save a bunch. (laughs) And it was it's like every other line of this
1: one. I was so excited. He says it so much. But yeah, I like that is something that like it's so hard to take seriously, like what someone's doing when you've spent so long encountering like the joke Mm -hmm. version of it.
0: We talked about that last week a bit with like noir, like encountering noir first as parody and something like who frames Roger Rabbit and then having to reconfigure your expectations and and uh, seeing noir through like a unique lens afterward, because now every time you watch a classic, you're decoding it through, well, my childhood parodies that introduced me to these concepts, you know, how does that fit in and where, where are those drawing their inspirations from it's the same thing, with like watching old westerns when you've lived your life knowing what the impression of John Wayne is and then you encounter it and it turns out he's a fucking incredible he's a great actor like he's fucking great in this movie yeah Uh, not to take anything away from it but it's just also like realizing that this is the one that Pilgrim comes from which is like incredible
1: yeah it's cool to see two guys that are like so fucking easy to do impressions of and have like these massive like cartoonish characters kind of doing their thing at each other Mm -hmm. but it doesn't like it reads as, like, normal. It doesn't feel super goofy or over the top. Well, it's like, um, like I said a little bit ago, like, they're
0: the only two doing, like, naturalistic performances in this movie. So, like, as much as it's easy to turn a Jimmy Stewart impression into a cartoon character voice, or John Wayne, in this movie, it's interesting because they're surrounded by cartoon characters and they're both doing, like, serious actor performances. Mm-hmm. There's actually a great interview between Roger Ebert and John Wayne, Where he talks about how roles like this are the hardest to do in his career, the ones that don't give him a character to dig into, like a a trait. He said like stuff like Rooster Cogburn are really satisfying, and he calls those good roles. He 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 talks about like Liberty Valance, and I believe um, (laughs) he calls it um, in the interview. Who killed what's his name? He like couldn't remember the title, or he's being flippant about it. Movie, yeah. Who killed what's his name? Yeah, and and his point was that. Everyone else in that movie gets to be like a cartoon character, but him and Jimmy didn't get to be. And he didn't get a character trait to dig into like he gets with Rooster Cogburn, which makes it harder because he has to play straight the whole movie or everyone else is playing up. Everyone right. else is playing to the to the fucking bleachers and he has to do a more subtle performance. And that's like the hardest thing to do. It's like, you sure I can't get an eye patch or something?
2: <laughs> Can I get
0: a character trait? Can I dig into anything? Um. Yeah. He, he differentiated a role like this from The, search. the Searcher. The Searchers is just one of the ones you said he could dig into a character trait. Yeah, can be really is this gnarly one of and more subtle. Performances. Yeah, he just has to be cool in this one. Mm-hmm. He is very cool. He's very yeah. fucking cool. because hey, like, He saunters on, and he's just like the hero who saved the day instantly. He is the spirit of the West come to save a fragile
1: East Coast boy. Uh uh-huh. But he's not, like, making a big deal out of it. He's kind of no. like... Uh, I like um at one point they're like oh yeah we heard all about what happened he got beat up because he was trying to protect a woman and john it like cuts to john wayne and you kind of think he's going to be like oh i like have some respect for this guy for doing that but he's like oh so he's a ladies man he's like starts making fun of him immediately mm-hmm. a really good uh choice to kind of like let you know that his character is like a cynic
0: mm-hmm. He's a cynic, but he's also like, he's got a heart of gold and he's got a lot of good jabs in that opening in that first scene with him and Jimmy and the family that rescues him. Uh, they give like Jimmy some, uh, yeah, the coffee sweet, with, with the bourbon Swedish in people. it. Yeah. They give him some coffee with bourbon in it. And it, like Wayne immediately grabs the bottle and goes, well, it ain't polite to let <laughs> a man drink by himself. Yeah. <laughs> just like very funny he's, just, he's he's just instantly doing bits which i'm not used to john wayne doing
1: bits yeah oh man he also lights a cigarette with like the little lamp which is mm-hmm. so fucking cool looking yeah they're giving him booze and coffee which i do think would cure most things oh yeah i don't think there's a single thing it wouldn't cure yeah anybody listening to this if you're feeling bad <laughs> mix a little swedish brandy and in, into your coffee <laughs> Uh, and it's not really a little it's like a shit it's like half booze half coffee <laughs> yeah it's not it's basically kalua it's it's mostly liquor man jimmy seward's such a little fucking nerd he's like i don't want to kill him i want to send him to jail <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah he, he's the virgin and and john wayne's the chat
0: of the relationship here
1: yeah i really like that john wayne's like out here in the west we don't we settle our own problems. We don't count on the fucking law.
0: He like instantly That's... tells him like you. He's basically telling him like you came out here to like be a lawyer and do that. Well, we don't need lawyers here. We have gu- we have guns instead. Like, what are you doing? You didn't yeah. think of this plan through. You moved west with no plan.
1: Yeah. At first he tells him he's like, if you want to settle your problem with this guy, Liberty Valance, who's the guy that fucking beat him up. It's like, if you want to settle this, you have to get a gun. And then at the end of the conversation, he's like, actually, I changed my mind. Don't get a gun because you're a fucking baby. Like <laughs> <laughs> a tenderfoot is what he calls him. Yes. Actually, don't get a gun. You couldn't fucking handle a gun, you little fucking baby. Wayne's like immediately undercutting him. Like the next person who talks, he's like, you
0: better listen to him. He's a lawyer, you know, like he's like immediately <laughs> undercutting like his entire existence.
1: <laughs> just like yeah. turning all of his words against him just to fuck with him, make fun of him. Yeah, the Marshal comes and he's like, Marshal, you got to arrest this guy, Liberty Valance. And John Wayne's like, oh yeah, go ahead and do that. <laughs> but the Marshal's like, he's on international waters. Nothing I can do out there. Not my business. <laughs> yes, <exactly. laughs> this is another movie, uh, going back to
0: what we talked about, Breakdown, the 1997 uh, Kurt Russell movie, where a white collar man from the city learns that the only law in the middle of nowhere is the gun.
1: The it's only violent. power is violence. Mm. It's an important lesson that all of us have to learn. <laughs> yes. Eventually we all have to face our own liberty balances in life. <laughs> and this is a part of the movie where Hallie gets introduced um, as the woman that's being just negged by <laughs> John Wayne.
0: Their relationship in this movie is interesting yeah it's like stated that they're dating and everyone knows that they're yeah. dating except like I don't think she knows that they're dating yeah
1: well they're like it's like he's claimed her. he called dibs yeah which that's that is law out that was the one I, law. I guess so they had one law out there the law of dibs <laughs> <laughs> yeah but they're like oh you know that guy that was mean to that lady they're obviously gonna get married <laughs> we all know <laughs> we're just waiting for him to pop the question in between insulting her all the time and
0: it's it's fucking funny to watch John Wayne 50 like 52 or 53 in this movie playing it like he's a shy young man who's afraid to ask a woman out cuz like if you ask me, what are you going to pop the question he's like I'll do it when I'm good and ready yeah. and it's like <laughs> don't you're rush like me
1: you'll die <laughs> you're
0: going to retire in 10 years are you sure you're not ready buddy
1: he knows how cool he is too Mm Because he's like, oh, Liberty Valance is the toughest guy around. Except for me. And and you buy it. Like, casting John Wayne
0: obviously perfect for this movie. Like, so much of that role is about, here's a guy who represents the like, ideal Old West hero type. Heart of gold, greatest at everything, and you need a guy, since he's not your main character, and he's not going to get as much time to develop as the Jimmy Stewart character, you need someone who like, the second you see him, and just from his performance, you know exactly who this character is, and like you buy all of his bona, f- bona fides. Like you know exactly who this guy is. Um, John Wayne just perfect, like perfect casting choice for that.
1: Yeah, it it's kind of funny this happening after the searchers that like, because that kind of works as a like, you know, like mask off kind of deconstruction mm-hmm. of his whole typical thing. But after it didn't like. After that, he can just, you know, go right back to just doing it straight and being cool about it.
0: I mean, this one kind of deconstructs that as well. Uh, it's it's very similar to the searchers and, and with it, what it's doing with the character. I mean, it's not as cynical about the character specifically. I
1: mean, but it's not interested it's in making him look uncool. Like, he yeah, looks cool no. the whole time in this one.
0: This one's definitely like, it's relying on his image in a way that you're right. It is, it almost feels like the searchers never happened in terms of his image for this movie
1: yeah it's i mean it yeah it is playing with his thing but in like a much different Mm -hmm. and like a subtler way
0: you know what this is this is his grand torino you know the searchers was his (laughs) unforgiven this is his grand torino he can go back to that bucket again and he he's re-upped it but this time it's a little softer
1: Mm. yeah (laughs) yeah i'm sure he'd love that comparison if he was around to hear it you think he'd like to be compared to clint I, I don't really think so. Yeah,
0: I don't think so either. Uh, this is like only slightly related. I was watching an interview with Clint about John Ford talking about it. And it was about the movie The Shootist. Um, and apparently on The Shootist, his character was supposed to shoot a bad guy in the back. And the director, uh, that's a uh, Siegel joint, I think. Uh, The director was like, Clint would do it. And East and uh, Ford's uh, not Ford. Wayne's answer was, I don't care what that kid would do. I don't shoot people in the back. (laughs) (laughs) That guy would do anything. (laughs) I've got some dignity. Yeah, He's like that guy's image. Like Clint's thing was he his characters were dark enough. They would shoot people in the back. John Ford's like John Ford, John Wayne. The other John of this movie is like, I do not do that. Like, that's a step I won't go to. I don't think he would like the comparison to
1: Eastwood. Yeah, it's. um. If you when you like read stuff um, about what was going on on set, it's kind of funny to think that like in the movie, you know, Stewart is kind of this guy that's like less sure about himself and like what his skills can do out there. And uh, you know, John Wayne is kind of like this swaggering like cocksure dude. Mm-hmm. But in real life on set, apparently like Ford was like constantly giving him shit about mm-hmm. like not going to war like Jimmy Stewart did. And like not uh, and like John
0: Ford did. John Ford was. uh
1: Yeah. And like not uh being like a successful football player like Woody Strode, who mm-hmm. is also in the movie, was and just like trying to constantly like belittle this guy on set. I read about that. And, and I, I
0: was wondering, like while reading about that, if that was and I don't know if Ford worked that way, if that was somehow sort of like a method thing to put Wayne on edge for the character. I don't know. Like, is that what you want from that character? Like You want him to hate... um, You want him to be at least not hate, but prickly with his relationship, his friendship with the Stewart character, right? You want him to feel... Because what I was reading in, the, in that, that back and forth was Wayne would go to Stewart and be like, why is Ford only mean to me? Why isn't he mean to you? Like, why is he... Because apparently he was... Ford would crack jokes about everyone except for Stewart. And I wonder if maybe that was to set to set up this uh, uh, prickly relationship between the two, where, like, maybe Wayne would be a little bit uh, jealous of the better treatment that Stuart was getting, much like in the movie, Wayne's character is jealous of uh, his girlfriend maybe falling for Stuart
1: yeah, in the town.
0: could be. I-, I don't know if Ford thought about things in terms of method like that, but I yeah. know that's the kind of thing that some directors will do. Right, But that's more of a technique that you see like new Hollywood onwards I don't know if he was thinking of it at that time but that's definitely like I've heard of directors doing things like that
1: yeah maybe that's part of how he was was working yeah and I think he was also just kind of like a crank at this point in his Mm. life oh there's like a funny cap to
0: that like what Ford was saying on set his little barbs and that he did eventually hit Stewart closer to the end of production is he asked him what he thought about Strode's costume that they used at the beginning, end of the movie, those flash forwards, the future segments. And Stewart's exact words was, It looks a bit Uncle Remus-y to me. And Good. Ford's <laughs> response, which like I I think he meant just in terms of like it, you know, I don't think it looks like a natural yeah. costume. Yeah. Ford's response was to call him racist. Hmm. Uh, I want to read his exact quote. Um, What's wrong with Uncle Remus? And then he called for the crew's attention and announced, one of our players doesn't like Woody's costume. Now, I don't know if Mr. Stewart has a prejudice against uh, a word I'm not going to say, but I just want you all to know about it. (laughs) So he called the entire crew's attention and implied that Jimmy Stewart was racist. And apparently after that, uh, Wayne turned to Stewart and said, welcome to the club. The racism club is, yes. what, is what he meant. So like, it's that's almost like the worst of the barbs. Like he was he was just making fun of Wayne. Like, haha, you didn't go to war. Haha, you're you're not strong <laughs> like me. You <laughs> didn't then, go to war. <laughs> and then like his barb to Stewart is like, I made everyone on set think you were a racist. That's a by good tricking gag.
1: you into a no-win scenario question. That's a classic. Ga- that's like a Norm McDonald <laughs> type gag. I don't remember how he got into the anecdote. Yeah, I think well this is the part of the movie where uh Jimmy Stewart to like pay his way for the people helping him starts working um at this like uh restaurant. Serving the biggest steaks I've ever seen in my life. everyone. Like, they ask everyone what their order is, and everyone orders a fucking steak. Like, you don't have to, you don't need a menu. Everyone's there for the giant steak. multiple. Everyone eats multiple. Like, the the, the marshal comes in and
0: and is like, gets two free steaks, and then goes, can I have just one more steak? He gets like a third steak, and and they are, I cannot exaggerate, the biggest steaks I've ever seen in a movie, I think. They're like, those things are like 30 ounces
1: oh no yeah
0: they're like yeah they're like big porterhouse yeah but they're not like i go to a place and order a porterhouse and i expect it to be like two-thirds that size at most and as like like the biggest porterhouse i could possibly order
1: the at one point hallie's all frazzled and she's like oh not enough beans on the plate she has this like trough sized plate with a fucking massive, I was like I think that's probably enough fucking beans. He's not gonna eat all this food. It's like a Flintstones plate of food.
0: It is. It yes, they are serving Flintstones meal. <laughs> they put the steak on your table and it falls over. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man, yeah, and it's when <laughs> Jimmy Stewart accidentally like embarrasses the shit out of Hallie by revealing that she can't read. <laughs> so sad. Oh man, and she says.
0: The most relatable thing anyone said in the movie, which is like, what good's reading if you're still in an apron? Mm -hmm. Just like me, man. Jimmy's just like me, you know, stuck in an apron, working in a restaurant with his fucking degree. Uh, (laughs) I mean, it's not where I'm right now. I was there on point. He's like living the party down life right now.
1: Yeah, he really is. Mm -hmm. He's doing the. Are we having fun yet? To Everyone (laughs) that comes in. Yeah, that that's what bothers him. Every time Liberty Valance comes into their
0: store, he's like, are we having fun yet? And he's like, yeah. God damn it. You
1: fucking ass Man, I don't remember this being cited as a reference, but uh, Liberty Valance coming in and hit, like, him being the little waiter boy is like very similar to the power of the dog it is. thing that's going on. Where mm. they're like, oh, you're a boy in an apron and you're serving food.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're uh, Jimmy Stewart is like the twink of this movie.
1: <laughs> he really is. Yeah. yeah which uh makes liberty balance the fill which makes him uh deeply closeted (laughs) that's why he uses a whip it's all coming together Ah. he's a it's a kink for him
0: Ooh, it's like a rob halford thing like it was like a sexual (laughs) thing but no one spotted it because they didn't know yet yeah he was way ahead
1: of the curve classic lee marvin man that guy was a thinker lee marvin Lee Van Cleef was the Bronco Henry of the movie. <laughs> Man, Liberty Vance is like a high school bully. Yeah, he's like a Stephen King style <laughs> high school bully. He's like a bully that will kill you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like a guy who's never existed in real life. Like, <laughs> it just seems like a really fun role to do if you're like oh, yeah. Marvin. Like he's he's playing a cartoon character. Yeah, and it's fantastic.
0: Like, I love when he rolls in because, like, that guy in your life is not going to eat someone else. Like, you're not going to eat someone else's half-done meal. But it's like, it is the cruelest cartoonish concept he could do is he comes in and kicks someone off the table and just eats their half-eaten meal. Like, thanks for eating half the beans. <laughs> I'll finish them. <laughs> not, I'll take your table and order fresh meals. I'm going to eat the food that you left behind. Can be the lunch your mom packed. That sandwich looks real good, Kevin. Can I have
1: it? The real bully move would be spitting on it and then asking him if he was going to finish it. Yes. They
0: hadn't developed that one yet, it.
1: I guess, in the, in the Old West.
0: Speaking of bully moves, his move against Jimmy Stewart
1: is just tripping him in the dining room. <laughs> yeah. <but laughs> he he gives trips him, the him, him in the cafeteria. Spider-Man. He trips him in the cafeteria in front of the girl he has a crush on. Yes, he does. <laughs> 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 well, he's in his dork costume. Poor Jimmy Stewart. I think it's all very calculated though. He knows how he's gonna bite on this uh sad sack smart guy routine he's doing. I think he trips himself mm. more than more than anything. Mm. Ooh, it's all it's all like a pickup artist ploy to get the girl. Yeah, to have him mm. uh to have her nurse him. Ooh. They have smart. like a phantom phantom thread dynamic where she calls in gunmen to beat him up every so- I after. think maybe he just got quickly addicted to the coffee and bourbon. <laughs> That's why he didn't want to drink it.
0: Yeah. Like, so now he's like now he's hooked and he's like I got to get hurt again. That's it. <laughs> I need to I do understand. I have to fight Liberty Valence. I have to get hurt again. You don't understand how bad I need this. He they yeah, don't he let d- me get at the alcohol unless I'm hurt.
1: <laughs> he doesn't understand that you can just buy it. <laughs> no, he needs the specific Polish stuff. Oh right. Yeah, he trips some John Wayne's like you want to fucking dance? What's dance? He's his big friend. <laughs> yeah, uh, Liberty Valance is like it's three on one. He's like actually my boy Pompey over there. He's got a shotgun <laughs> pointed right at you. What's pom? What's Pompey's relationship to the John Wayne character? They're just good friends. Are They like besties. Is he- Does he work for him? Is he getting like paid? He definitely works for him because yeah. he's, like, he's like building around the house. By him. Yeah, yeah. And when he's at school, he's like, "What the fuck are you doing at school? Get back to work." But like. What does John Wayne's character do? I think he's like a cowboy. He like leads to go do some cow stuff at at one point. (laughs) Driving some cattle. I've no I don't know. He has a bunch
0: of horses on his property too. Yeah. What what's his deal? Like I know what Jimmy I know what every other character's (laughs) movie does for a living. Because they go out of their way to be like, this is this character's job. But like John Wayne is just like, he's John Wayne. He's just cool. I guess if you're the cool guy in town, they just give you all the taxes.
1: Yeah, like, he is like Liberty Valance in that he could murder anyone at any time. He's just more chill about it. <laughs> but Jimmy Stewart's like, I don't need you or anyone to fight my battles. I can fight my own battles. I I love his little joke,
0: John Wayne's joke, which is like, what do you think scared that guy away? Do you think yeah. it was your words? <laughs> you think it was the law? <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's, it's John Wayne and it's the... Uh... It's the newspaperman, right? Like they're yeah, both laughing. Mr. Peabody is Mr. there Peabody. too. Yeah, you know that's how you know he's a newspaperman. Yep he he invented, he invented the, the Peabody, Peabody, Peabody Award. award.
1: Uh, he's
0: named after the award that he won. Like he just changed his name to it. He wants he wants no one to forget.
1: <laughs> I, I'm, I'm Mr. Nobel. Mr. Peabody is just a nickname because he's always winning the Peabody. <laughs> oh, he's the it's best. It's like how they play a, yeah. It's like how they call a baseball player Mr. October. Mm. Mr. Peabody. Yeah, they're just like make. they're just like laughing, constantly
0: making fun of him like to the point like Jimmy just goes like, I get it. The gun scared him. I, under- I get, I fuck, shut up. I fucking get it. I'm done. <laughs> I'm
1: leaving. Look at this little sign I made. That's his. Yeah, thing. he made a cute little I'm a lawyer sign. Please like kill Hallie, me sign. Might as Hallie, well read this. Uh Oh, wait. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> That's his form of negging this girl that he's into. Mm hmm. Is he keeps putting up written word. Yeah, hey, I uh, remember you said you couldn't read, so I wrote this uh, stuff down. He does promise. He promises to teach her to read, and apparently everyone in town. Yeah,
0: they all yeah. are at I think his school. That's just, I think that's just his trick. I bet he doesn't teach them English. I bet he teaches them a weird, fucked up version that only he can interpret so that they're still reliant on him forever. Mm,
1: yeah, he's like old, uh, like. Uh, priests from the middle ages. <laughs> he's the only one that can read their sacred texts to them. Yes. Interpreting them. Yeah. They're all just like, he's just like,
0: there's just a little bit off from English, just a little bit It's close enough that they won't notice reading taught wrong.
1: Well, I mean, oh, no. not to jump too far forward, but like when we do go to his reading school or whatever, he really is just doing propaganda to, oh. to everyone. Um, no, no, that's like the next scene, because it's like after he promised to teach them
0: uh, English, isn't it like literally a scene cut? And it's like three months later, and then it's him well, teaching yeah. class. Because my next note here is
1: um, Jimmy preaching about voting woke professor poisons minds. Mm-hmm. Well, before that, John Wayne's like, I have some my other family I have to hang out with for the next three weeks. Uh, <laughs> yes he's he's doing the classic i have another wife in another town to deal with go out on business for exactly three weeks uh don't follow after me or ask me where i'm going but he is like uh if you put that sign up be sure to take note of stuff that happens while i'm gone because i won't be able to read about it in the newspaper
0: (laughs) yes he's still cracking jokes
1: uh I
0: love the instant regret in Mr. Peabody's face. Mr. Peabody's like, if you work for me, you can put that fucking sign up outside my door if you want. doesn't matter. And the second Jimmy's like, oh, cool, yeah, fine. I'll do that. He's like, ah, oh, uh, uh, <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> I guess you got me.
1: He keeps what his What am word I supposed to do?
0: Word, my fucking, you know, my words, my word, buddy. But he, Jimmy teaches these kids all fucked up because he has them say the ABCs. And I just have to note this. When they say their ABCs, they say QRS and TUV, yeah, WX and Y and Z. What the fuck is that?
1: That's how they did it. Who says and that many
0: times in their ABCs? What are you doing? He's new to teaching.
1: He hasn't streamlined the song yet. Did he do a classic Jimmy stutter in the middle of saying the ABCs and now Uh, that's A A and and, uh, well, there's B. <laughs> it takes him like <laughs> fucking twenty minutes to tell them all the letters. <laughs> <laughs> oh. well, A, of course, you start with A. Well, then you have B. <laughs> but yeah, he's like than Jimmy than me. Oh, <laughs> it's good, it's pretty good. Thank you. Yeah, he's like. Makes him sing the ABCs and then starts talking about the fat cats in Washington. <laughs> yeah, it's immediately. He's like, well, you just start,
0: start immediately asking them, "Well, where, where does the real power of this country come from?" Yep, the voting populace. Apparently, who knew? Yeah, he has.
1: Um... Tell me about the Constitution. Yeah, read he has... me the Constitution from memory. He has Pompey recite the "All men created equal" part. Yes, it's kind of odd, like the. The whole rest of the movie has nothing to do with like race or like mm. those kind of uh like personal politics this is that one one scene mm-hmm. one line when he has him say it then he says some people forget that yep uh now sit down so we can get back to the movie <laughs>
0: but i think what he was i think what that's supposed to mean from his character's perspective i don't think he's trying to talk about like race like the treatment of of black people in America. I think what his character is just saying is like those ranchers don't want, because the main conflict of this movie is that they're trying to get, a, they want to get statehood and the ranchers up North who are also in the territory are fighting against statehood. Cause if there's, if there's still a territory, the ranchers can steal your land and shoot you. If you try to get it back,
2: mm-hmm.
0: all the people in the town want statehood. And I think what he means by like, the people forget that is like the ranchers forget that we all deserve a voice and a vote.
1: Sure, yeah, I think so too, but like when you have the one black character in the movie yeah. and like demand that he recite that part, it's impossible to not read it. No, it's way. impossible
0: to like not think about the implication of
1: like, when does this even take place? This is, um, who knows? I mean, this whole thing is like, I think intentionally played as like myth, as legends, and like, I not... guess like if it's the railroad, then it probably is after the Civil War.
0: Yeah, maybe. close <laughs> enough. Yeah, I mean, yeah because i I think like whether it takes place in like before or after the Civil War determines like how that plays off, but I think it's after the Civil War, given the fact that within thirty or something years there is um railroads, so it must be like eighteen ninety or something at the at the earliest,
1: yeah, but I mean the you know entry of new states into the union was like a huge cause for the Civil War, which is also yeah. like a big part of this movie, yeah, they're doing for states rights. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> the states <laughs> rights uh, against cattle ranchers was a big the big conflict of the American Civil War. Yeah, that's uh, what it was all about, man. It was all about uh free ranging. It's the <laughs> hot button issue. Just like open range, man. That's what that movie was about. Yeah, another thing about that scene are all of the like Mexican kids in there, the Marshalls' children? Yes, it seems to be the implication that that guy is gettin' his yes. <laughs> It's like even his wife have had like 20 kids cuz like
0: that scene is the introduction of his family and it's like he's just there and he's like I'm here for my kids. Also
1: there's like 10 of them. Yeah, I mean that's another like um racial thing that just kind of like goes uncommented on when you would kind of expect it to. But they have like, like a
0: segregated bar too.
1: Yeah, but like that the white marshal has uh like Mexican wife and family that they just yeah they never really say anything about it Who mm-hmm. so,
0: owned cool. like a mexican bar
1: that like it seems like the white characters don't actually go to it's just the yeah jimmy seward's like i don't know is my credit good in there i don't know no mr peabody says it mr peabody right right, right. Yeah, yeah he's the drunk guy not jimmy yeah. seward he's like you oh, know yeah this is my wife's cousin's brother's place or some shit yeah yeah but then uh john wayne comes in like Fucking Bobby Boucher's mom all upset that people have been going to school (laughs) behind his bag. (laughs) School! Yeah, uh, another part of that scene is that, like, Hallie looks so nervous to be the one that has to make the kids (laughs) sing the ABCs. I mean, she's only just learned them herself. I know, that's why I'm like, you know this lady's self-conscious about not being able to read. Why are you making her (laughs) do this in front of everyone? I think he's just lazy. You know, he is a lawyer. He's not used to working. I think he can't read either. And he's <laughs> tricking other people into doing it. He and was actually
0: can... thankful when um uh, Liberty Valance, like stole his books and ripped them up because it meant he never approved <laughs> read.
1: Them. Yeah, he's like Rango. <laughs> he's a fraud. He's just one chapter ahead of the class in the reading, learning how to read book that he's teaching from. Yeah, but John Wayne is like, Y'all, you can't like Vote or whatever you can't learn about democracy because all of these hired guns from these ranchers are gonna murder you mm-hmm. and one guy says this could get worse than the sheep wars, <laughs> which I liked a lot. No one else, no one responds to that <laughs> classic it's just classic world building you know? <laughs> yeah. the sheep war it's like the you gotta wars. just pause the game and go to the codex and there's the whole entry on it. uh you can read that a couple paragraphs uh-huh. It's in the Silmarillion, (laughs) (laughs) the the Sheep Wars. (laughs) That's why everyone likes the uh, Tom Donovan so much, is he won them the Sheep Wars. I mean, that story, I think people might
0: be familiar with it from, uh, I think it was only released on Kindle. It's the Sheep Wars, a Liberty Valance story. (laughs) Uh, It came on a couple years ago, expanded on the
1: world a little bit more. It's
0: worth checking out.
1: That's why there's no sheep in this movie. He killed every single it was a war against the sheep. Yeah, it's like the ostrich uh it's like
0: you no know, the emo wars in Australia. Like the sheep kept coming into town. And, you know, <laughs> Tom Donovan he had to take into his own hands, man. Kill a thousand sheep. Bare hands too, you know. He 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 didn't have a gun. He ran out of bullets at one point. There's so many fucking sheep. They ate well though for a while.
1: Yeah, for a couple days. Yeah. Then the rest of it went bad. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have refrigerators back then. Rance gets a gun from the newspaper man, though. He's like, you know what? Maybe I will fucking kill somebody after all. That's such like that's a crazy reveal. Like He just did, like so John Wayne shows up and
0: goes, guys, the ranchers are going to fucking kill us. And Jimmy goes, I got I got to go. I just I got to return some videotapes. <laughs> <laughs> and he just like fucking leaves. And they're like, where'd he go? And the peabody's just like, oh yeah, he's going to shoot his gun.
1: I gave his him a gun, gun that I
0: gave him to kill Liberty Valance with. He seems stressed out, so I gave him a gun. Oh, where'd he go to practice to kill Liberty Valance?
1: The guy who is the most killingest man here, other than Tom Donovan. He's like the the peaceful whale in Avatar. He just fucking snaps. <laughs> <laughs> he's Piacan, yeah. Yeah, he's Piacan. He's like, you know what? Maybe uh this no-killing thing isn't all cracked it's cracked up to be. So yeah, it's like when um <laughs> when Liberty Valance beats up his boss, that's when you, you cut to the shot
0: of uh of ransom underwater thrashing about.
1: Uh getting himself worked up. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. John Wayne finds out about it and I thought he was going to be like, oh, cool. This guy's finally figured out. I'm going to teach him how to shoot a gun. No, no, no.
0: <laughs> he was like, yes, no, his his whole deal, because the girl goes to him and goes, you got to stop him. And he like takes off. He's like, whoa, though, pilgrim, you got to like stop gonna go go back to my place. And he's like, you fucking coming after my girl. Yeah. Like he's a high schooler. Like it's literally like, were you talking to my girl at last week's party? Because a lot of guys were saying you were talking to
1: my girl at last week's party. Bro, you know I like, like her. Just because I haven't made my move. Look, you know that my Facebook profile
0: says it's complicated, and I know you know what that means, Mm -hmm. okay? We're working
1: it out, so I need you to give us a little space. Uh, I just wanted to show you I've been building this fucking shrine to her on my house.
0: He's got the Hokagey Pataki shrine. It's
1: normal. It's not weird, but don't tell her about it.
0: (laughs) Yes, he's... That's... Because, again, like... They don't go on a date. Relationships were different back then, I guess. I assume. But they don't go on a date or anything, and he hasn't, like, asked her to marry him, but he's building an addition to his house specifically that she can live in. Not that she can live in the same part of the house he lives in. I'm building a room for her to live in so I can lock her in from the outside. It doesn't lock from the inside. There's no windows. It's just a place I can put her in uh, when she's married to me. hmm He's
1: building the barbarian basement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for when he her kidnaps in. her. <laughs> uh but yeah, not he's like, uh, don't, you know, steal my girl. Also, he's like, go uh shoot at this can. Yeah, and I was like, Oh, he's gonna teach him how to shoot. But he's like Actually, just like, oh, you suck at shooting. I'm good at shooting. uh well, Please leave now. Well, he tries to teach him for like a second, right? Like, because Jimmy, he's like throws the can to
0: shoot it. When Jimmy fucks up shooting the first time, he he takes his hand and he does the classic, like I'm gonna guide
1: you. Let me Breathe. give you some pointers. He gets behind him, real close, and puts his hand over his hand. Yeah, <laughs> it's real, like it's real sweet and romantic. No, now, like, I wish he eyes. did that. <laughs> Ooh,
0: uh, he he whispers in his ear. Directions and what to do. It's all in the hips. <laughs> but no, he he does actually tell him like remember to squeeze, like squeeze the trigger, don't pull it. Blah blah. Aim your hand, don't flick your wrist. Um, and Jimmy gets mad. He goes, I know how to shoot. I don't need your instructions. F- f- fuck off. And, he and that's when like, like five <laughs> times. Yeah, and that's when he's like, I've, I've shot five times before. I know, I know, I know what I'm doing. And then uh, <laughs> John Wayne's is like, Well, fuck you. I'm gonna show. T- take these buckets. I'm gonna show you how to shoot. And he just makes fun of him for five minutes. He gets paint all over him. That is so fucking funny. Jimmy's like, "I don't need help," and he's like, "Okay, then watch me." And he's like, "Put up these paint buckets." He makes him put paint buckets on top of posts, and then he shoots them and just gets paint on him. Like he <laughs> fucking dazes and confuses him.
1: Yeah, he does. It's such a dumb. He carries egg. him. It's like pointing at someone's shirt and then flicking their nose. Hmm. It's not even. It's not even fair, you know. It's like. It's like picking on a
0: child. Like, what are they going to do?
1: It is like picking on a child. You Uh, hear that, Jimmy Stewart? I called you a child. You're a baby. You're like a baby. Don't know what to do.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is not the Avatar podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, Stewart slugs the shit out of him, though. Pretty cool. It turns out he's way better at punching than shooting. That was a, like... Cause like Wayne notoriously like has to like identify in some way with this character. And like the character has to be the mm. cool guy hero. But mm. in this movie, like he allows himself to get like decked to the floor by fucking Jimmy Stewart yeah. without retaliating. And he dies. Like it does not seem like the type of thing that he would ordinarily say yes to, to being it, in. It feels like a movie he
0: only did cause of John Ford. Mm. Um, and I've, I've heard that speculation. I was like watching the Turner Classic Movies introduction of this movie from a few years ago. And uh, like they made the note like, this is a kind of, I guess you would call it a revisionist Western if you believe in the concept of revisionist Westerns. It's looking back yeah. at the legacy of the Western, questioning it, which is something Wayne was careful not to do too much because the main genre he worked in was Westerns. And the main thing people associated him with was Westerns. And the main thing people associated the Western genre with was Wayne. So any attempt to deconstruct, to tear down, to criticize in any way the Western as a concept was also to interrogate his own career, which obviously you'd be careful to do if that's your image, right? Mm-hmm. Um, But he did make a point of doing this a few times when Ford asked him to, because he was obviously a close collaborator with Ford. It feels like the kind of role he only did because Ford asked him to say, I don't think he would do the searchers for any other director either.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, Drake Andy does... Get to be the cool, mm-hmm. cool tough guy that you know understands that you have to like beat people up sometimes. <laughs> and this character does go to some like darker places in terms of
0: his arc, vulnerable places. I guess that's probably a better way to put it um, than
1: I mean, he would typically go to if he wasn't working with Ford. Sure, yeah. Strong men also cry. Mm-hmm. Strong men also men cry. also cry. <laughs> yeah, they they have their big election. And I love, love Peabody and seeing his whole deal. He is such a ham, and I
0: love him so much. He says one of the most beautiful, most relatable lines in all of media, a beer is not drinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe this too. Doesn't count.
1: Yeah, well, when he goes in and John Wayne tells him the bar is closed for the election, he's like, what, no exceptions for the working class? <laughs> <laughs> no, the working press. Oh, the working press. I thought he said the yes.
0: working class. <laughs> Yeah, it turns out uh, Jimmy such a nerd, he came to the voting and said, actually, legally, you can't serve beer Um, during voting. close the bar, sir. Turns out he ruined a beautiful tradition, because it sounds like that town used to drink every time they voted, every time prior.
1: I mean, and he set a precedent that's carried through till today. We could all be drinking at polling places if it wasn't for fucking... They
0: should give you
1: a beer when you enter a polling place. I mean... That would get the vote out for sure. Doesn't mm-hmm. this would be a good one? Just hand me like a fucking, a warm hand me an MGD. Let's go. <laughs> a warm high life. Yeah, why not? Lower the drinking ice age me the eighteen. Door. Yeah, I, ice me at the door. I gotta. I
0: you get to the booth. <laughs> you get to the voting machine. There's just an ice there, and you gotta drink it. Like, fuck. <laughs> fuck. I wasn't planning on drinking today, but it's there.
1: They won't validate your vote if you don't, if you don't chug, <laughs> bro. Like, the part where you hand in your ticket, they're like, Can, show me the empty bottle. Doesn't count if you don't do the chug on one knee, dude.
0: It's a good comedy bit uh, where like, Wayne to cry, quiet down the crowd takes like the big gavel. It's not a gavel. It's just a hammer they have. Yeah, it's like a big mallet. It's like a mallet I'm sure they used to open kegs or something. And he's just like, he's hits Peabody's hat. He's just like, he's like, he's like flattens Peabody's hat with it because he's just aiming for the table and
1: not looking and Peabody picks up his hat and has like unflattened it. It's a, it's a good little physical gag. There's so many good like extremely well blocked shots of the crowd. Mm-hmm. Where you can like see everyone's face. There's like 50 people crammed into yeah. the bar. Looks awesome. So many hats. So many big hats. hats too.
0: The like I'm really- trying to determine
1: who was the most powerful man in the crowd based on who had the tallest hat. At some points, John Wayne is wearing a massive fucking hat.
0: John Wayne at one point, I think it's in like the first quarter of the movie, wears a hat that's so tall it feels like a comedy gag. It feels <laughs> like the turd Ferguson hat on all. <laughs> like, it it feels like someone
1: handed him this hat as a joke just to see if he
0: would wear it.
1: Man, a good bit would to be just every scene the hat gets like an inch taller. Has anyone done so, that yet? There's a movie that does it. I can't remember what it was. Okay. It starts out normal, but by the end of the movie, it's like three feet tall. Oh, it's Scary Movie three that does it. Every time they cut to the cop, his the hat's bigger.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a good bit. Is that to the point? It becomes like it's like
1: a massive hat. (laughs) That sounds very funny. I don't remember Scary Movie three, but I bet it's. I don't think I've actually seen Scary Movie three, but I've I've heard about the the hat gag. I've watched a clip of the hat gag. Well, I thought of it independently, so it's yeah. You came my, up with this. It. They should really pay thing, you for it. Yeah. I uh, mailed it to. We mailed it to ourselves. So yeah, plagiarism. Let's just say you came up with it first. Yeah, there's really a tasteful, uh, like, crowd of like 50 people, and one or two of them are smoking. So there's like mm-hmm. little plumes coming out. It looks very nice. Yeah, but that's like the kind of uh thing that you know makes you believe him when he's like, oh, this is like working on this little soundstage in black and white, like this is my art, Mm. not the fucking big vistas. You like see those crowds packed into a tiny space and you're like, actually this guy is fucking good at this. (laughs) Well, I believe that like Ford enjoys that challenge. Like the idea that he like looks at that and
0: revels in the chance to like challenge himself to get the most he can out of a limited resource with like the incredible skill that he has to do. So I believe it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean I, I, I believe that too. I don't believe that if there weren't budgetary restraints he would have like seen been like, oh, the material demands that this be in yeah, black no. and white and inside. No, this happened because
0: uh, Paramount didn't have any money in nineteen sixty two.
1: Yeah. They should have uh should have had Paramount Plus back then. Yeah, they would have had even less money. <laughs> yeah, but um uh of course that the nomination for the delegates Rance nominates Tom and Tom nominates Rance because mm-hmm. they're, you know, frenemy uh, BFFs that hate each other. If someone nominates Peabody and he reacts to it
0: like he was given the black spot. <laughs>
1: no, <laughs> I just want to drink. I just came <laughs> to the bar to get drunk.
0: He starts like coming with every excuse like, oh, I'm, I'm just the press. I can't do this. Uh, I, I can't be impartial if I'm elected.
1: Yeah, they don't let him get away with saying that, even though when John Wayne was nominated, he's like, nah, I'm busy. <laughs> no thanks. Now, everyone sounds like, you have to do it because you know how to read. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to die.
0: Like, someone's going to kill me. I'm like, this is the worst thing you could ever do to me.
1: Well, everyone there knows that whoever they elect, going to get killed by Liberty Balance. They do say that he knows how to read, but. Since he knows that they don't know how reading works, he could just be like, oh, no, I only know how to write. I can't read. <laughs>
0: no one ever taught me the other way, man. I can only <laughs> encode. I can't decode, right? <laughs> I'm
1: just a writing guy. I'm not a reading guy. Yeah, I don't know what it says.
0: I just know how to write it down. <laughs> I mean, that's why papers have editors, right?
1: The editor is the guy who reads, mm-hmm. not the reporter. Reporters reporter is right. yeah. That's too much for one person's brain to handle. <laughs> why we have computers now exactly yeah liberty valence comes in and he's like i'm gonna be the delegate and everyone's like no, <laughs> no you're not. You, you don't li- you don't even go here. You don't he gets- live here yeah he tried to fucking dr oz them <laughs> like you don't live here i i love his gambit which is i'm gonna stroll in with two guys who vote for me and it doesn't yeah. work it doesn't work it's really funny he's like go ahead say what i told you to say and they like <laughs> recite off their little like I nominate him, I second the motion, I close the nominations with just uh-huh. me in there. <laughs> They're doing like a Tweedledee and Tweedledum routine. Mm. Almost worked, except uh, everyone in town decided they hated him. Uh, yeah, Jimmy Stewart's like uh, technically that's not uh, legal. What a nerd! <laughs>
0: yeah, what a uh, dork! It's like it's also like an interesting shot of like the this town as a community, right? Uh, something is movies i think pretty good about is giving i mean obviously every character in this shot we don't know personally but i think ford's really good at giving personalities to his side characters that help he usually uses them for like sure. comedy like the the marshall's really funny but that also brings an attachment to the sense of the community that exists outside of our main characters and mm-hmm. this scene's really good at well we can't get to know each one of these characters individually we get this feeling of like what the town when they're all together, what do they feel? You know, when they're not individually getting being cowering to Liberty Valance, they can all stand up to him coll- as a collective. And this is the power of voting is what this movie, I think, is really saying with this scene is like these people are coming together and as a collective unit, they can stand up to a, a bully like Liberty Valance, even though yeah. he'll give them swirlies if he meets them on the street.
1: <laughs> yeah, there yeah. are a few like minor characters. Oddly enough, the guy with the severe stutter is not played for laughs. Mm hmm pretty cool yeah i like that character me too yeah i I kept expecting him to be like the butt of some joke and he just never was just because of like the kind of movie that it was he's the butt of the joke he's like he's the joke in
0: one scene it's when he's in school and he's asked like why are you there and his answer is we all drew straws and i drew the short straw (laughs) so i had to go to school but yeah no the whole town's there and it's yeah there's this feeling of like community Right. Standing up to Liberty. In Liberty Valance, his character even points it out. He's like, I'm going to kill you when you're individual, like
1: after yeah. this meeting. You're feeling really tough when there's 50 of you. Just wait till I get you three on one. <laughs> but as soon as the election's over, they, they elect Peabody
0: and Ransom. And then everyone runs at the bar. There's a great great gag which is the like bars like john wayne declares the
1: bar open and the entire crowd at once storms the bar Mm -hmm. it's beautiful that's what living is mr peabody loves getting drunk
0: i love mr peabody so much Uh, as much as like this is jimmy's movie
1: this is john's movie there are incredible performances mr peabody fucking rocks he's the one that gets the like Deadwood style drunken monologue to himself in the newspaper room. That's really he fun. gets to do
0: Hamlet about how much he wants to drink. Uh, do we yeah. have credit? Sorry, have we credit? Have we? Re- wow. <sighs> uh, have we credit? That is the question. While he's holding up one of those classic western jugs with like XXX on it, he's at, like it's the skull from Hamlet. It's <laughs> incredible. So it's like he was a learned man, and he's also a drunk and kind of an idiot.
1: Yeah, he's like talking, about, he's like looking at his paper and talking about how he can't put it out because he got drunk and there's a bunch of typos in it. He wrote defeated as in D-E-F-E-E-T-E-D. Mm-hmm. He, they defeated Liberty Valance. Cut off his feet. That would have been cool. That's what they should have done. Yeah, should have just published that. Good enough. Yeah, that's when he he's like going over to the saloon, and the marshal's like, "Yo, Liberty Valance is over there. Why don't we go to the Mexican saloon? Mm-hmm. It's popping off in there." And there's a great, there's obviously a lot of great shots in this because it's John Ford. But
0: the one that stuck out to me the most is his um, office, his 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 newspaper office is full of light, and he. Opens up his little lantern. He blows out the light and suddenly it's silhouette. It's just the light coming in through the window, just in his silhouette against the wall. And he leaves. Yeah. And when he comes in later do they do the reverse of that? When he comes back after drinking himself, he comes back in. There's no lights, just the, his silhouette against the wall. He lights the lantern and there's a bunch of thugs with him.
1: Mm-hmm. Liberty Valance and his boys. There's a really cool shot, too, after they're, like, beating him half to death. They've, like, wrecked his place, and he falls backwards, and it pans down, and he, like, lands on a ton of loose papers that they've, mm-hmm. like, strewn across. I think that, like, whole... That's probably my favorite shot sequence, is the whole, like, Peabody goes to the bar, comes home and gets beat up. Uh, There's, like, a really beautiful and, like, very classic um, Western shot in the scene, like, immediately after this of jimmy stewart like walking down main street with a gun and it's like Mm -hmm. at night and the cameras just kind of like follow like tracking with him down the street very cool looking you know yeah fucking fucking blocker of images framer of images (laughs) he knows how to do it i don't know if anyone's ever said this before (laughs) what a director he can really put a movie together yeah man they beat the shit out of Mr. Peabody. At least he was drunk for it, though. Yeah, good for him. I thought he died. Well, I thought he died, too. He didn't die. They because like he's beating him and Lee Marvin's like beating him with his whip, his his -hmm. patented move and Lee Van Cleef like stops him and he says he's dead.
0: Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I was like, oh, I believed him. Yeah, they're doctors. Yeah. Why would he? I
0: think everyone in the West knows who's dead. (laughs) They've seen enough dead people.
1: But this is like he crossed the line. He did a murder in town.
0: Mm -hmm. Not supposed to do that
1: against a defenseless guy. Like there's no arguing. It was self defense against fucking Mr. Peabody. It's so funny that like five minutes later, he's arguing to the
0: sheriff. Look, if ransom has a gun, I'm allowed to kill him. And it's like, does it matter? You just did a murder.
1: Like, yeah. As far as you know, you just did a murder. Well, he knows people didn't really give a shit about Mr. Peabody, but people mm. will get worked up if he kills Ransom. They like it. Classic. People just don't respect the press enough, you know? They don't. Yeah. yeah. He should have. Well, yeah. When they go check on him, he's like, Oh, I really told him about the power of <laughs> the free press.
0: I. Uh, before we move past, there's a great shot when before he beats up uh, Mr. Peabody where it's like, it's a uh, Liberty Valance holding up the paper of himself with this like smug look on his face. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. It's very much the like, um, fuck. What is the, sh- what is the president that's holding up the newspaper about himself losing?
1: Oh, uh, Dewey beats Truman. Yeah. I'm showing myself as a guy who doesn't know history by not <laughs> knowing it off the top of my head.
0: You know the one I mean. Yeah, the president with the paper. Yeah, It's Liberty Valance holding the Liberty Valance defeated paper and then beating up the guy who wrote it.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> There's so much of this movie that, like, these American ideals of, like, voting in the free press or whatever, they're, like, nice and good once you have them. But really, you know, you got to fucking beat some people up and kill some people. That's, like, where power originates from. Yeah, like...
0: Since we're getting toward the end of it, like what this movie is about is the lie that there is any kind of peaceful creation of America, right? Like it's important that, that, um, that Jimmy Stewart's character rants is not just, Uh, like a guy who became the delegate, right? He's the senator and not just a senator. He was a governor for three terms and then a senator and then an ambassador and then a senator again. Like he is- He
1: one day could be the vice president. Yeah.
0: So like (laughs) they make a big point that he's not just a guy who went into local politics. He is as much a representation of Washington itself as anything else. Like he is an idea, right? Yeah. And this idea is built on, murder and violence in the West. Like it could not be built peacefully. Here's a guy that came out to try to build that future peacefully with his perhaps not perhaps entirely naive ideal that he could somehow just send a guy to jail when that guy would kill you to avoid jail. Um, It's about the reality that underlies that. And maybe the lies that we'll get to the cool other detail in a bit. But yeah, it's about like unraveling that myth that like there is there is any kind of peaceful basis on democracy. Like democracies are the way you get from a violent era to democracy is more violence.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like all these ideals cannot like enact themselves. Mm-hmm. There has to be some kind of physical manifestation of like putting them into place to yeah. begin. When on. you
0: have a guy like Valance who will kill you. How you can't just be like, "Hey, Can you not? Hey, buddy, cool it. You're in big trouble. (laughs) I'm I'm telling teacher. So, Rance meets up with Peabody. He's like, "Oh fuck, this guy's fucked up. This guy's fucked up. Oh, this sucks." Well, I'm gonna. (laughs) Then he calls out. He's like, "I'm gonna kill Valance." He gets his gets his fucking little pea shooter, little pop gun. Gets in the street. He does have a little baby gun. Yeah, a little, little baby gun for babies. <laughs> and I love before their showdown, the marshal makes the point to Liberty Valance that it doesn't matter if Rance has a gun, that you know it's not a fair fight. It's like picking on a child. Like, he's basically, I'm like, dude, it's like if you play basketball against a toddler. Like, it's not a fair fight.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you can't claim self-defense against a baby. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Rance takes his gun, walks down Main Street like a classic Western hero. Mm-hmm. And uh, Liberty Valance makes the classic villain mistake of playing with his food. Mm-hmm. I'd I love it. He's he's a bully. He like shoots him in the arm, shoots the ground. He's just fucking with him. Yeah. But the next one's going right between your eyes.
0: Oh my god.
1: And Jimmy nails him. Bang. plugs his ass fucking Dunzo
0: with his off hand too turns out he was I bet I think I know what happened he was practicing with his left hand for real so when yeah. when he went to go show uh, John Wayne that he could shoot he was actually using his right hand just to throw him off mm-hmm. he wouldn't know how
1: good he got <laughs> he was sandbagging him yeah he had money on the on this showdown
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah he's like a uh, He's like the gambler. He's like Jimmy Conn. Yeah. Betting on himself. The uh, balance getting shot has my favorite joke of the movie where like the doctor comes up (laughs) and he's like, quick, I need whiskey. (laughs) And he just (laughs) takes a swig of it and he's like, he's dead.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I fucking love that so much. He doesn't just take a a swig. He like does a little chunk of that shit. He goes for it. Yeah. Yeah, you really think it's such a good punchline because there's like a scene prior he told Valance like I can't wait until they call me to look at you, and now he's like I fucking did it. Give me some. It's like celebration whiskey. I need. I need this shit.
1: Yeah, but you think like, oh, the doctor is asking for whiskey so he can like use it medicinally for this guy that's just been (laughs) shot. Yep. Instead, he's just like, this guy's fucking dead. He doesn't really look at him. He just like takes a glance. He's like, fuck this guy. He's dead. (laughs) And the true victory of the situation is that Jimmy Stewart now gets to get nursed again by Hallie. <laughs> I thought true love was born.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I love um, there's an instant
0: change in Wayne's reaction. He returns to town um, and his performance immediately becomes sullen, cynical, sad, detached, angry. He's like mm-hmm. pissed off at the bar, ready to start a fight. Uh, actually does start a fight with Lee Van Cleef and the other um, lackey kicks him out demands the bartender like serve his buddy uh, I already forgot his name yeah that was
1: pretty cool Pompey Pompey yeah he's like he's fuck like, you serve him like what are you gonna do I'm John Wayne the guy's like dude I don't even drink <laughs> that's less cool they're like I fucking told you to drink you work for me yeah very weird yeah he's really uh-huh. mad he sees there's, his he sees his girl, you know, nursing. Yeah. Fucking baby ass, Jimmy Stewart. And there's a sense there, at least how I read it, because this is
0: my first time seeing the movie. I'm seeing the scene for the first time. Um, what I was thinking was like, oh, it's he comes to town. He finds that he's not the hero, right? Like Valance is dead, and it's he's been usurped. And at, for a moment there, I'm thinking, well, maybe the theme of this movie is is really is about like civilization coming through the West. The usurp, uh, the usurping of men like Wayne by men like Jimmy Stewart, right? The usurping of these cowboys by city men who come in and take over in a civilized world. Sure. Uh, I mean, that's how it plays for a little bit that. Yeah. He is and my, my point is like that rips away. Like my experience watching yeah. it is I'm like, oh, that's the theme of the movie. And then a few scenes later, we get the like way more interesting and layered. What this movie is really
1: about. Yeah. Which is the myth. It's cool because I think that ending is kind of like interesting before it's undercut that like you Mm -hmm. see it play out and you think that Wayne is like, oh, if this fucking goofy ass motherfucker can do what I was doing, then I am like a redundancy now. I'm obsolete. I'm going to go burn my house down and Mm -hmm. get drunk. Uh,
0: And that is in itself an interesting
1: ending. Like, Sure, yeah. But what it does after that is – because he does he burn just, down the wing of the house that he built for Yeah. For he burns
0: down the little prison he was making for his girlfriend. <laughs> Very intense. Uh, I love that he burns it down. He's like, oh, fuck, shit. Ah, fuck, save the horses.
1: God damn it. <laughs> I forgot I
0: fucking the forgot. I have a whole population of things going on over here.
1: They have nothing to do with this. <laughs> Let them go.
0: God, I fucking forgot there were so many other things going on in my life. Not just this section of the house that I could have broken down in a way that isn't destroy everything I own.
1: God oh, damn it! Shit. There's another lady in that room. I forgot about her.
0: <laughs> My old girlfriend. <laughs> My shit. Old in there. God damn it! Oh well. I forgot wife number two was visiting. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. But like, what it instead becomes the second. Well, what is really like the second ending? It's it's like return. Yeah, it's of the like King, a little you know? coda. You know, we, we get our second, third, fifth ending, like Return of the King, and we find out, like, it's actually not a story about, well, it's about how the West changed, right? But it's also about, like, the lies that changed the West, because, I mean, you have the whole election scene. I don't really have any thoughts on
1: that. It's at the Statehouse. There's, uh, I mean, there's just a really cool shot of, like, I actually really like the whole State house portion, because you oh, see the, great. like. The fat cat uh, fucking ranchers trying to make the whole thing into like a big show. And they like have a guy ride in on a horse. So it's mm-hmm. really cool. It's like the whole thing's like symmetrically center framed. One of my thoughts was on this actually is that
0: I think more people would vote if we still had horses come up on stage for debates.
1: Yeah, I don't give a shit what Mr. Peabody said after that. After the like uh, lasso trick guy, I'm voting for... The, I'm voting for that to stay a territory yeah come on man like why would I like, you don't have any tricks you don't have like a little like anything You're, you just have can, like a murderer if come they on. can guarantee that rodeo clown guy will come to my birthday party they've got my vote <laughs> I, I like that
0: like they try to fight against it but really the argument that Rance does have is I murdered a guy I'll do it again yeah like, that's well, I mean, that really is his platform right like I
1: killed a rancher hand for you Maybe I'll do it again if you vote for me. I like too that like once the once it's clear that their uh, tactic of just making it a big fun show isn't working, they just go directly to like, well, this guy's a fucking murderer. Like, the crowd loves it though. Just They're personal like personal attacks on this guy. Yeah, personal attacks, but like the crowd's like, yeah, yes, he is a fucking murderer. He killed yeah, Liberty Valance. We love him. Yeah, one guy's like, it's not murder if you're killing Liberty Valance. <laughs> That's not a he's guy unpersoned. that's a piece of shit.
0: But um, Rance leaves the room because he's stressed out by the fact that he might not win because people are defaming his character. Um, And here comes a haggard Jonathan Wayne who Johnny, old Johnny Wayne comes through the door and he tries to like, I love this move. He tries to slam, they're like they're like saloon doors and he tries to <laughs> slam them behind him and they don't slam because they swing. But he meets uh, Jimmy Stewart out back and he explains to him Go back in there because uh, it turns out you're not. the. You didn't fucking kill a guy like you didn't do it. I did it.
1: There was a second gunman on the grassy knoll. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the framing of this flashbacks incredible. I fucking love it because it shows the old the shootout
0: that we just saw. But from a different angle, it's from like the an alleyway and we see like John Wayne arrives. He has like Pompey throw him a rifle and perfectly times it. To kill Liberty Valance at the exact time that Jimmy Stewart fires yeah. so that it looks like Jimmy did the kill. He's like a superhero. Yes. And it immediately and very interestingly recontextualizes the whole past twenty minutes you just watched. And like Jon Stewart's not Stewart. fucking yes, John I combine their John names with John Stewart. Stewart. Uh John Wayne's performance. Um it completely recontextualizes John Wayne's performance. Where it's not a guy who can't handle that. Like the times have left him behind. It's a guy who can't handle that. He dishonorably killed a man that he, that he weighed in on a fight that wasn't his, that he, a guy didn't know he was there. He snuck up on a man and shot him in a dishonorable way. And that's why he turns to alcoholism and ruins his life. And he's got like a scraggly beard at this point. Like he is in disrepair. He is in a bad spot. Um, because he's a murderer now and he has to live with that and accept that in secret for the rest of his life.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it's also a guy that, um, you know, instead of like working for himself to like build a, a life for himself has decided to kind of like sacrifice that. Like, so that this future can happen Mm -hmm. for the West. Like when you see him seeing, uh, Hallie and Rance and, Getting all pissed off, like you now see at the end of the movie, that it's more of him realizing that like what's best for everyone is for mm-hmm. those two to be together, and for him yes. to like sully himself, uh, so that you know they ha- can have a chance at being. It's like a unforgiven. He's you know, like I was saying. What we learn is that he's the Paikan, and Jimmy Stewart <laughs> is the Loak, and he saves him. Yeah, he's like Christ. He's like willing to take on the burden <laughs> of murdering this guy. Um, <laughs> he's absorbing all of the sins so that Jimmy Stewart yes. can like be the the white light, <laughs> the Harvey Dent. He so, is the uh, dark
0: knight. <laughs> friend of the show, Lobster, we had him on for um, Point Blank. You, uh, Another point, Leo, Lee ago. Marvin movie. Now, the Lee Marvin movie, he made the point we were talking about the movie um, he made the point that the ending of Liberty Valance uh, is the same as The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight is like the dumb guy version of Liberty Valance uh, where like we must like the, the hero must sacrifice himself and take on a lie so that this like greater vision of hope and prosperity may live on. Yeah.
1: John Wayne. Except was where Liberty
0: it. Valance is like this interesting it uses that in a way to talk about like not just the lies of pacifism and peace that like democracy is built on, but also the, the myth of the West, how like so many myths of the West are built on lies themselves or cowardice or like just plain murder. Right. Mm -hmm. Like how much like the underside of a story, like Jesse James his great outlaw gets shot in the fucking back. Right. Um, That the West is full of like this cowardice and these cheats and these murders and yet we think of this as a great myth. The myth of the American West is a lie. It's also what it's talking about. Um, whereas The Dark Knight is about how... Uh, Batman.
1: Yeah, it's about Batman. It's about Batman. Yeah. John Wayne, it turns out, was the hero they deserved, but not the one they needed. So true. And Jimmy Stewart's when one they needed. Yep. It is, like have other people talked about that? I don't remember hearing about Liberty Valence in relation to The Dark Knight. But it is like I a when The really, Dark Knight really came out I was like a dumb
0: 17-year-old. I I don't think I I hadn't obviously seen this movie. So yeah, I don't know.
1: It is yeah. I do it was it was also making me think of um Unforgiven and this guy this old west guy taking on the burden of like being a fucking violent murderer so that Mm. there is a potential for a future that isn't that for Mm. everyone else yeah it's (laughs) kind of strange thinking about though that like because after that it's not like john wayne doesn't die he's like he lives a long life (laughs) take my lady friend and leave but i you're my girlfriend she's yours now i give her to you and i guess they just never talk to him again He like it's kind of strange it is kind of strange that they just like, I guess back then, like, what are we're gonna fucking text him? I guess like, yeah, it just it's weird that that like he has kind of made this sacrificial move, but like his story isn't over. He's still like out there doing something, existing for decades. Yeah, at that point in the movie, he just like
0: it turns into like conceptual, right? It's it's right. He is he is the. He is the myth of the West, and what that represents as like a lie at the root of American uh, like culture, sure. Um, murder is what America's built on as the movies saying.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah if you yeah, if you think someone in American history, you know, stood up and faced down a problem in one, it probably didn't go down like that. <laughs> probably um, shot by somebody else in the shadows.
0: And this was like is an interesting one for for Ford. Like I think like even the Searchers can be one that's hard for people to read. I th- I think of the Searchers as a very like movie that's critical of the myth of the West and critical of like the typical John Wayne hero. But it's something that I think takes more of a read and more of like operating, um, taking that movie on good faith if that's what it's doing to interpret yeah, it that way. I think it's more this one's more book. explicit. Where it's yeah. like no, yes, like no, the West was built on lies and. Like, the legend is a lie, and murder is the rule. Mm-hmm. So if you ever think, like, maybe John uh, Ford was not critical enough of his own vision of American history, this is a essential one to watch.
1: Yeah. I mean, he never goes full-blown revisionist. Like, all this stuff Mm-mm. is still cool and classical, and, like... But, yeah, I mean, they, he is definitely like thinking about this stuff no you're saying like it's a lie like at some point like the lie has to be cool
0: to to work
1: yeah i did think it was very funny that when they're like recounting his exploits as a politician since all this happened he says he could very well one day be the vice president of the united <laughs> states he's something captain. i think it was like a mostly ceremonial position unless you're yeah. like dick cheney he could never be the president yeah he's not that good but he could maybe be the vice one day yeah some a winner could pick him
0: you know real realistic expectations that's still not as low it could be lower like they could
1: have been like he could be the secretary of transportation (laughs) he could very well one day be the next director of homeland security but uh yeah they slip a 20 to Pompey and get the fuck out of there. <laughs> they, they, yeah, what do you make, they decide to return to, to Shinbone now that it's chill there. Because uh Hallie, you know, deep down she's just a fucking dumb hick at heart and she can't make it in the big city. She hates it there. It's, um, there's an interesting thing there uh about their characters and it doesn't
0: matter to the movie. But, uh, You know, it does sort of imply that he never once in his like 30 year career in politics stopped to ask her if maybe she'd want to go back home at some point.
1: Right. Yeah. She seems like he never asked her. What do you think
0: about the fact that I we got married and I immediately moved you out of your hometown and never let you come back?
1: Yeah, she seems obviously like pretty unhappy and pretty like glad to be back there. Like it seems like she probably would have been happier staying with John Wayne yeah. in Shinbone I'm not I don't really understand what that what the like romantic interest has to do with the rest of what's going on
0: with them fighting over girlfriend yeah, yeah you or, could get
1: you could get rid of the girl and it wouldn't matter she has like regrettably little to do and mm-hmm. I don't think she really fits Cleanly like thematically with what's Going on no uh,
0: Yeah this whole like I mean We kept joking that it's like uh, Teenagers fighting over their high school girlfriend Because that's mm-hmm. what it comes off as like there's Not like She doesn't really do anything except give Some friction to the two characters like She's there as a prop for Stewart in, Yeah she's a reason for Wayne. them to
1: not like Each other yeah and I Guess she's a reason at the end for Jimmy Stewart to want to return To the west Mm -hmm. Now that he's like conquered and civilized it from Washington. Yeah. In terms of like how the romance affects the plot, like the movie is not about their love
0: or anything. It's about no. it's, it's about Jimmy Stewart's character and John Wayne's characters as metaphors for like the American story, Mm -hmm. which is not something that needs like a love story
1: attached to it. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you need the love story to put butts in seats. Sure. Yeah, I mean that's like a convention of the genre. You mm-hmm. kind of have to have it in there, and not to say it's like bad or takes away anything. It just kind of it, it's a pretty big part of the movie, and it kind of untidies it a little bit.
0: Yeah, like most, uh, it, it's most of my thoughts on the movie are to do with like Wayne's character, Stuart's character, and like I said, how they tie into this. What the movie's it, it's I think of the three I've seen, it's Ford's like most contemplative movie about like. What what is America and what is it doing? And it's most forwardly contemplative, and the script is incredible uh, in that regard. Uh, but the yeah the love story doesn't fit into that read at all. It it doesn't and it doesn't enforce it in any way.
1: I think she is less uh, a character and more just another part of like the old West that is changing, but is kind of resistant to to the change that's happening. Seems like she probably learned how to read though. That's good. Yeah, I, I would hope so. It would be pretty boring in Washington <laughs> if you didn't know how to read. <laughs> you
0: couldn't read. He keeps coming home and telling about all the laws he's doing. She's like, "Honey, you know I don't know what you're talking about."
1: <laughs> I've also forgotten how to how to talk. I'm getting worse. Cool movie though. I don't really have much. Else. Fucking, it's great.
0: Um, God, it's really fucking good. But yeah. Um, I have one more note. It's like we talked about the the twist ending i should say it's a twist um there were there were like contemporary reviews seem not into that uh i was reading the reviews that thought that the reveal in the last and the real ending of the movie takes what is an interesting movie with things to talk about and turns it into something simplistic with answers that explains itself too much that's obviously erased right like now the now the modern day opinion on this movie is that it's one of Ford's best but it seems that contemporaries didn't really get that like the complexity that the john wayne explanation at the end adds to the movie as like a metaphor for like Amer- the american story it seems like that was kind of lost on contemporaries which is really interesting it's always interesting with older movies to go back to see how it was re- how it was perceived at release mm-hmm. and how some of like the depth of its storytelling comes out only after like further
1: uh interrogation
0: in years to follow
1: yeah it's hard. I'm I'm trying to like place myself in like what was going on in the industry in the early 60s and it's kind of strange time for Hollywood mm-hmm. movies. Like the New Yorker called it a parody of Mr. Ford's best work. I I mean I guess I could see how it would feel like that because it feels like something from like a decade or two earlier in his career just like the way it looks and like so like I could see how if you were like mm-hmm. someone in the 60s it was a lot closer yeah. and like that was like still really present in your mind the stuff that he had done in like the 40s and 50s that you could see that and be like what he's <laughs> doing I think it being black and white threw people off too. There's some contemporary
0: yeah. reviews that said it looked like an episode of Gunsmoke. Ooh, that which is see
1: not I mean, fair. It, yeah, it would be but like, far if you're in, in a way 62, the best episode of Gunsmoke. Yeah,
0: like Gunsmoke does have scripts like this and does have stars like this. But I think, like, if you're in 62, I guess, and you're expecting color movies, not black and white movies, and this comes out, and you know that before this, Ford was doing color movies. Yeah, and, so and not, not just color, out,
1: but like Vista Vision, super widescreen.
0: Incredible. Screen. Like, The Searchers is one of the best looking movies I've ever seen, and it is so colorful. That it's one of the movies that my cat has watched the most of, which is Uh. important. Like that is a, there's a huge, it's a huge like feather in its fucking hat. Is that my cat Mm -hmm. likes that movie? Um, she didn't watch this one, so I think if the reviewers are anything like my cat, they're looking for pretty colors and (laughs) flashing lights, and they didn't really get that.
1: I mean, it's also a way uh, wider aspect ratio. This is a a lot closer to what, you know, Gunsmoke would be, Mm -hmm. just like. Boxier than like the super wide screen yeah. searchers.
0: Yeah, and I think like maybe they're reacting to the budget, and now like decades later, we can look at it in a more like a more in a vacuum, not in the context of like what your expectations are in '62. And yeah, we can see the story, we can see what it's saying, and we're not distracted by like oh, where the production values what we're expecting from this period in Ford's career.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't look cheap though, to me. No, I don't like. I don't think it looks like a fucking TV episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I haven't seen nearly enough Ford to really like say how yeah, I think I can't this stacks this up in his, uh, his filmography. Uh, here's
0: the review I was referring to earlier. Variety. Um, they called it entertaining and emotionally moving, but said it should have ended 20 minutes earlier because then it would have been a taut, cumulative study of the irony of heroic destiny and instead concluded with condescending, melodramatic, anticlimactic strokes, what should have been left to enthrall the imagination is spelled out until there's nothing left to savor or discuss. And it seems like what they were drawn to was that, well, what is heroism? And and is um is a hero what John Wayne is or what Jimmy Stewart is, and not like what the movie I think was trying to say, which is the American myth and legend.
1: Sure. I do think there is a reading of this though, where you could say that like the movie is trying to Expose this thing in Jimmy Stewart that like It is impossible to achieve These ends without Murder and violence And that John Wayne Coming on and revealing himself To be the real shooter kind of lets him Off the hook mm-hmm. uh, Which I can understand maybe being Frustrated mm-hmm. by that I could
0: see that as a specific reason for me uh, I think Of it as you get like two themes for the price of one on that right you get like yes jimmy stewart has to face the reality that his version of a peaceful america can't exist without violence but also at the same time we have to accept the reality that the violence is usually a lie the myth is the legend is usually a falsehood
1: mm-hmm. yeah no yeah i agree too i i just i can i can understand a negative take on the movie that is presented in good faith and not like not only that but isn't like caught up in contemporary Mm -hmm. like for the time trends and stuff the movie really should have ended with jimmy stewart killing john wayne so that no one would know the lie (laughs) so when john wayne reveals the
0: truth jimmy goes well you know what i gotta do (laughs) plug him immediately Wow! Oh,
1: this uh, this changes everything.
0: Just immediately realizes, like, well, if I thought I did it once. I can definitely do it again.
1: Yeah, I've made peace with the fact that I'm a murderer already. So now I can just kill this guy <laughs> that mm-hmm. I don't like, who's always been mean to me. Mm-hmm.
0: He's just a jerk. You now he's worse than ever. We needed was a sequel where he chases down Lee Van Cleef. You know. Yeah, finish the job. Yeah, because
1: all they did was scare those guys off. Why not? Uh, you know. Do them in, clean up the streets. That's his first as a lawman. He's zero tolerance. That's what senators did back then. You know, you had, you had to get your hands dirty. Yeah, crack some skulls, stop and frisk. All right, uh, should we wrap it up with some final thoughts? What do you, how are you feeling on this one? I'm gonna give this one. Check it out. Check it out. The full five, five stars, full five
0: for Liberty Valance. Uh, you've got at least five characters in the movie that means five stars i think that works (laughs) one for each uh no i I mean you know it's this movie as a really uh, contemplative look at like the nature of myth uh at the roots the murderous roots of american history uh i think is it's really fascinating like that script that story it's telling is is great i think jimmy stewart and john wayne are just fantastic in it uh it's beautifully shot and blocked no matter whether that no matter like why it's shot in black and white whether it was budget or it really was an artistic decision either way it works out in favor of the movie makes it feel a lot more intimate makes it feel uh more mythic uh especially if you're dealing with like the the like american myth itself to go back to like the root of the Western genre in black and white makes a lot of sense to me. And also I'm sure it helped hide the ages of the actors just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I thought it was fantastic. I really loved it. I've been thinking about it since I watched it. Uh, yeah. I just can't not give it a five. John Ford's. I think I've given a five to all three John Fords I've seen so far. Just oh, three bands. Shouldn't. Quit while you're ahead.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you can only get worse. <laughs> Oh, what do what do you got this one at? Um, I'm close. I think I'm going with four and a half. I really loved it, um, but there are Wayne movies and Ford movies and westerns that are kind of exploring similar things that I I I prefer. Uh, but I mean, it's great. No, uh, no real complaints. It just doesn't quite get the the full five for me
0: like even though like there's a great shot where uh the marshal asks for a steak and then they they tally up his tab and it's just a chalkboard with like a hundred X's
1: on it (laughs) that's pretty good doesn't that joke get five stars
0: it's actually a half star for that joke right there
1: i did forget about that joke it's a it's a five star movie for like if you were like a budding impressionist there's like six dudes in here that i think you could really sink your teeth into do you do you got a do you got a marvin in you i don't have marvin i don't I was, have a marvin the the marshall was the one that i was frustrated to not be able to get i just cannot do that that squeaky mm-hmm. voice <laughs> i i love him but i i wouldn't even try stewart's the one stewart's the most fun one i think
0: stewart is john so wayne's hard i'm afraid of do. i'm afraid of i'm
1: afraid of flubbing a john wayne yeah you don't want to get that on tape. Yeah. Pilgrim. Pilgrim. I'm John Wayne. Pilgrim. I'm a John Wayne. I'm a John Wayne. That's a That's go. Uh, like, oh. Yeah, that the Wario John Wayne. I'm a John Wayne. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Fantastic. Yep, there's Is that. you got a note, need to end on. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, fellas, you, you can listen to us next week. <laughs> We're going to be talking about Ocean's Eleven.
1: Fuck, Sodemon,
0: yeah. Soderberg, Brad Pitt, uh, George Clooney. Fucking hundred, hundred guys. <laughs> fucking infinite guys. I'm not going to name the rest. It's infinite guys. Ocean's Eleven. We're going to be joined by friend of the show, Kevin Magnet of Twitter fame. Fugitive fugitive i think he ended that bit (laughs) but he is a fugitive unless you think he got gone girl in which case he's not a fugitive a lot of conflicting reports but i'm excited about that one i haven't watched oceans 11 in a while i'm really excited to watch it again i fucking love that movie
1: yeah it's one of my most watched movies i know kevin's gonna come in here trying to be like he is the oceans guy when i am the oceans guy so (laughs) i'm there might be some you're gonna but fight heads yeah like, i want to <laughs> see it, do- right? a dominance like, and you're older so you can just that's true Kill them, basically wiser better looking yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but until then uh speaking of better looking you better be looking for our podcast <laughs> on twitter at Dadcore cinema you can listen to it wherever you find your podcasts uh itunes google if you're on itunes rate us people please just give us five stars that's what every podcast asks you to do i'm also asking you to do it you can follow me personally at that one guy
1: 64 on the twitter.coms charlie i'm the tomboy on twitter and whoa still Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Don't uh, don't follow any of the fake ones. There's like five fake. Yes, why are there so many fake ones? <laughs> I don't know. Very weird. They're not even copying your avatar. Nope, just the little yellow circles.
0: And they are all—they've all been copied in the past. They were only created in the past two months, so they're new. They are copying you specifically. They're Stan accounts. Fantastic. So our podcast is getting too popular. <laughs> we got to tank it. We got to do another Coster month. Get people off this podcast. <laughs> Man, you know, Charlie. This is the podcast, sir. When the legend becomes fact, you record the legend. Mm. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.